You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Jesus talks about over and over and over again in the gospel. And so we're going to cover everything today about the kingdom of God. No, we're not. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, but in, in, uh, in preparing this sermon, I realized more and more like, wow, Jesus just did not stop talking about the kingdom. And, and so much so that the, the verse we're going to read is Luke chapter, oh, we'll get there in a second. Luke chapter 17, verse 20 through 21. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that, you, that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst, or in your hearts, some, some translations say. And so the kingdom, this is kind of our launching scripture, but the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, these phrases, they're the same thing. And they show up over and over on almost every page in the gospel. Just to give you a, a, few, uh, a few facts, those two phrases show up 82 times in the gospel. 82 times. So... There are 79 chapters that make up the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 79 chapters. So on average, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven appears in every chapter. Now, it's not always the case, but on average. That's an important theme. And I think we need to, I know I need to focus on it more. Just in the Gospel of Matthew, which in my Bible... There are 26 pages. It shows up 35 times. Every single page has this theme. And so, we are not going to begin to scratch the surface of this topic today. But I hope that it inspires you to go study more about the kingdom of God. Now this, this theme, the kingdom of God, it's not just within the New Testament or the Gospels. We see kingdom language show up throughout the Bible, all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. And so we're going to take a brief look at a few Old Testament passages that, that uh, display this theme as it carries on throughout God's entire story. But before we do that, I want to go back to this slide. So this is, uh, this is the theme for our team camp this year. Because for five days, four days, whatever it turns out to be, um, there is a set number of days. We don't just let your kids go whenever they feel like it. Um, but we're going to be talking about Jesus. We're going to be planted in the Gospels and looking at Jesus as our King. What an incredible, uh, what an incredible theme for a teen camp. And so, you have a few days left to register. If your teens are not yet registered... June 3rd, registration closes. So uh, get your teens registered on our website. Okay, so let's, let's get back to the Old Testament. So Genesis chapter 1. Again, this theme continues throughout the whole Bible. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 23. 
It says, then God said, this is right after God created everything. And uh, he says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God's original design, when he created man, he created us to partner with him in ruling and reigning over his creation in his kingdom. What an incredible role and responsibility that God made us for is to rule with him as king. Not that we are king, but he wanted to partner with us. That's awesome. He wanted us to cultivate his creation. He even gave Adam the responsibility of naming all the animals. He gave mankind this partnership with him to rule in his kingdom. Now, of course, we know this story that man chose our own kingdom, right? Adam and Eve said, you know what? Our way is better. Our kingdom is better. We think we can establish something better than what you have established here, God. And so they rebelled and they decided to try to establish their own way and their own kingdom. And they left God's. They left his reign. And we know what happens with them. They get kicked out of the garden and they experience the, the really, they experience the destruction. They experience the pain. They experience death uh, because of their rebellion against God and his kingdom. In Exodus, uh, we find the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. And so God had this, uh, he, he chose his people. They were in captivity. They were enslaved for many, many years, hundreds of years. And God liberates them and, and brings them out of Egypt, out of this kingdom that they probably thought they would never get out of. And he brings them out and he takes them through the Red Sea. You know, we know the story that God parts the waters so that they walk through on dry ground and they get to the other side and he, he uh, has the waters come crashing down on their enemies. And when they are on this other side and they see all this happen, they begin singing. And they sing this song of praise and adoration to God. And this is at the end of their song. For the first time, God's people acknowledge him as king. They say the Lord reigns. Again, that's kingdom language. It's the language of kings and queens. The Lord reigns forever and ever. What did they witness? What did they experience that brought them to this point of acknowledging God as king? Well, they see, they see that God defeated evil in the kingdom that they had just been freed from. That God dealt with all the screwed up things that had come out of us trying to establish our own kingdom. They see liberation 
They see rescue and redemption. That is what they witnessed and experienced that, that, that made them exclaim that God, you are king and you reign forever and ever. Not Pharaoh, not any other kingdom, but you. And so this kingdom language continues. And then we move on to Isaiah. So we know after that, God takes his people into the desert and he gives them the Torah. He gives them kind of the rules of his kingdom. How we can live well as a community in his kingdom and get along. And of course we know that the nation of Israel was faithful and they always followed the rules of God's kingdom. And no, that's not the story. I mean immediately after that, after they say, God, you're awesome, they start complaining. And they forget that God reigns forever and ever. They forgot, they forgot how awesome God is. And so they, they rebel and they think that their way is best. They think that they have, they have it on straight. And so they choose their own way and they choose their own kingdom. And so the nation of Israel is driven into the ground again. And, and then the uh, prophet Isaiah comes on the scene and he prophesies about someone who would bring good news. About a future king, a future kingdom, and the hope of that. And he says here in Isaiah 52, verse 7, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who pro proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs with joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comfort, uh, comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. As I was reading some commentary on this last verse, the, uh, the Lord will lay bare his holy arm. In, uh, in, in the time that this was written, that, that phrase or that concept was like someone rolling up their sleeves. Like, let's do this. About to get to work. Can you think of God like, okay, it's time. Let's do this. Let's do this the right way. And so we see Isaiah the prophet Speaking of a future king, a future kingdom that would be built uh, on good news. Not on oppression. Not on ruling and reigning and just enslaving people, but of good news. And so, we come to the New Testament. And the, the nation of Israel, they hear these words of the prophets and they know them. They're waiting and they're waiting and they, someone's coming with good news. The prophet Isaiah said it. They're waiting, they're waiting, and then Jesus comes on the scene. And in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, uh, <clears throat> he had just been tempted by the devil in the desert for 40 days. And right after that, he comes to this, this first group of people that we have recorded, this crowd that he comes to. And what does he say? He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, some who heard that, might, their ears might have been like, wait, wait, is this, is this really happening? Is this what Isaiah was talking about? I don't know. But they were waiting. 
The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then what does he do right after this? He goes, actually I didn't put that verse up there. Go over to Matthew. I'm going to make you do some work. Matthew chapter 4. And the teens got a little bit of a, uh, a taste of what's to come. We talked a little bit about this on Wednesday. But right after he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. In verse 18, it says, as Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. So the first thing that Jesus does after he announces that the kingdom of God has come near is that he begins forming a people. ...who would live under his reign... ...who would be servants of his kingdom. Just as God had done at the beginning... ...in partnering with Adam and Eve... ...to rule and reign... ...and partner with God in his kingdom... ...Jesus does the same thing. And he gathers a people. And he wants to partner with us. I don't deserve that. Right? Man, I, I'm screwed up. I've screwed up so many times. Why does God want to partner with me... But God wants to partner with us in ruling and reigning his kingdom on earth. And what, is, what does it look like when Jesus starts, uh, starts taking back his world and his kingdom on this earth? Well, we see in the next few verses what that looks like. But it's amazing here because when Jesus calls us to follow him, it's going to be a total shift in our priorities. It's going to be a shift in what we understand as life. It's going to be a, a shift in what we are looking forward to in the future. These men, they were, this was their family business. They were trained to be fishermen. Their dad was on the boat with them. This was going to be their life. And then Jesus comes along and he says, come follow me. And instead of fishing for fish, you're going to fish for humans. You're going to fish for men. And they dropped everything. They dropped their nets. They left their dad. Their dad was still chilling in the boat. They left their dad. And they followed Jesus. When we are faced with this decision to follow Jesus, man, it's gonna, it is going to be a life change. But, but if you've done it, you know that it's for the better. And so what does God's kingdom look like when he begins establishing his kingdom? In verse 23, it says, Jesus went throughout Gil uh, Gilalee, Galilee, Galilee uh, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over, over all Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. 
This is what God's kingdom looks like. I'm going to grab some water real quick. King Jesus and his kingdom teaching the good news, proclaiming the good news, and healing the sick. That's unlike any other kingdoms we see in the Bible. It's unlike any other kingdoms that we see in our world. Right? Teaching the good news. Proclaiming the good news and healing the sick. Now we know that Jesus' ultimate goal was for us to be spiritually healed and cleansed. To die on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. So that we could have a relationship that wasn't tainted or divided by our sin. But we were free to have a relationship with God. No longer enslaved to sin. That was Jesus' goal. But we see that he healed physical sicknesses as well. We see that he, he didn't just go right at like, hey, why are you a bunch of derelicts? Like, get your head on straight spiritually. And then maybe I'll he heal you physically. No, he met their needs. He came into their life. Sometimes we have physical conditions. Sometimes we have things that are blocking our view from God. And we need those things to be taken away or to be addressed before we can see God. Before we can kind of give ourselves and, and realize that God is calling me to something greater. And so I, I think as disciples, that's something that we need to realize as well. Sometimes I can walk around and be like, how can I help someone spiritually? Man, how can I invite someone to church? Who needs God? And I overlook some of the physical needs. Some of the, some of the little things that man, maybe someone just looks downcast. They look just sad. And I can... I can just say, hey, how's your day going? This is something that I try to do. I, I've gotten, a, gotten away from it at times, but when I'm in line at, at like a store or something, and I try to, hey, how's your day going? A lot of people are just kind of like standing there waiting to put their card in the chip thing, and they don't say anything. Um, but just, just bringing joy to someone's day. This is what Jesus did. He met people where they were at. Teaching the good news, proclaiming the good news. What is the good news? Well, we see in Matthew chapter 5 and, and uh, through 7, which we'll read those chapters in just a moment. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to read three chapters. I'm just keeping you guys on your toes. Um, but, go, but go read those chapters on your own. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is God's, this is the good news of God's kingdom. These are the rules of God's kingdom. And when we hear rules, we're like, you're going to confine me? Seriously? But these rules produce life in us Amen. when we follow them. When we live under God's reign and we surrender our own kingdoms and what we think is best, we find life. And so in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, we find a Jesus who, he's the social justice, serving the poor. Meeting people's needs, Jesus. We're like, yeah, that's, that's the kind of Jesus I want to follow. That's what I'm all about. That's what needs to be done in this world. But then we also see the Jesus that talks about utter sexual integrity and purity. And reconciling these difficult relationships and what to do with our money. That kind of Jesus. And we're like, hey, that's, whoa, that's a little bit too personal. You're getting up in my business. You need to back away. And we don't, we don't want that. We don't want those rules of God's kingdom. 
but we want the other Jesus. And that's not the mindset of a disciple. To be picky. No, if you're going to be a disciple in God's kingdom, you, you live under his complete reign. And something recently that God was calling me to in, in the rules of his kingdom that didn't feel good, but I knew this is what I need to do, was just honesty with thoughts I was having, with feelings I was having, with just some stuff in my life. And I was tempted to be like, you know what, in my kingdom... I would just keep this in. In my kingdom, I would protect myself because this might be embarrassing. I might feel guilty or shame or it just might create some conflict. I'm going to stay away from... I want to be comfortable. And so in my kingdom, I didn't want to be honest. But in God's kingdom, I, I knew this is what I need to do. And it produced life. When I was honest and I talked about these things and I lived under God's reign and what he was calling me to, it produced life. And that is what the good news is. God producing life in us and bringing healing to those hurting parts of our life. In Matthew chapter 8 through 9, Jesus talks about and proclaims his good news and then we see him living out. The healing the sick. And he does these incredible, remarkable things. And we see him revealing the kingdom with his deeds. You know, Jesus is here to summon us to a new way of being human. Exposing the pettiness of our pride and our sin that reigns within our own kingdoms. He's here to form a new group who will lay down their kingdoms to live within his and when you do that, as I have said, you will find life. You know, we see in these, in these passages, please go read Matthew 5 through 9. We see in these passages that Jesus interrupts our lives with these stories. He's interrupting our lives. And he might be interrupting your life in a huge way right now. Like a huge life change. When you read these passages, you're like... This is not me at all. My kingdom does not even look close to this. And so he might be calling you to a total huge life change. He might be calling you to just some small tweaks in your life. You're like, you know what, I've committed to God's reign. I've committed to his kingdom. I know that it's good. But maybe some things, we, we've gone back to our own kingdom a little bit. And there might be some minor, small tweaks in our life. For some of you, God might be calling you with these passages to go deep within your heart and mind and to assess your motives. Because on the outside, things might be looking good, like, wow, representative of God's kingdom. But in our hearts, we might be serving ourselves. So these passages, Jesus' reign might be calling you to look within to, to see what your motives are. But with all of this, the mindset of a disciple of Jesus, it's one who looks at Jesus and is enamored with Jesus. Jesus is so awesome. What he does is incredible. The way that he treats people is remarkable. When people encounter Jesus in the scriptures, in the passages, and even in this life right now, the encounters with Jesus, people walk away 
feeling whole and transformed for possibly the first time in their life. We're going to hear from Simon and Lindsay in just a moment. They're going to share about their life and their encounter with Jesus. But Jesus is awesome. His way, his kingdom is the best way. And so when, when we come to this passage, this passage that says repent for the kingdom of heaven is near and he calls you to follow him, it takes you to a place of will you trust me or will you not? Will you trust me? Will you trust that my way is better than your way? Will you trust that my kingdom is a kingdom of life? And the kingdoms that we have created, we see. They are kingdoms of destruction, right? And so will you trust Jesus? Will you trust Jesus' way of being human? Because our way of being human has not worked out very well. Will you trust Jesus? And so when you arrive at Jesus, ask yourself, will I trust him? The mindset of a disciple is, yes, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. uh, Jesus. (laughs) Um, Brian Craig, he is not Jesus. (laughs) Sometimes he did look like Jesus in the play a couple years ago. (laughs) Um, He said last week, who you are, where you are, makes all the difference in the world. Who you are, where you are, makes all the difference in the world. One theologian says that the church serves the kingdom of God as a sign and foretaste. We don't use that word foretaste too often. Foretaste is a sample or a suggestion of something that lies ahead. The awakening of one's appetite of what's to come. And so I thought of Costco, right? Samples at Costco. And you eat these samples and sometimes those samples are you're like, oh, that was good. I'm getting the full package, like the 10 pounds of whatever it is. And so the sample kind of invites you in to the full, to the full experience. The church is supposed to be a foretaste of God's kingdom. A sample of what God's kingdom is like. In our relationships, in how we treat people, how we, uh, the, the type of employee we are, the type of student we are, what we talk about, what we live for, how we spend our day, those are all samples and foretastes of God's kingdom if we are living under God's reign and for his kingdom. Parents, we heard this from uh, Ruben and Marina Deonda, who lead the church down in Long Beach. This is a quote from Andy Stanley. He says, Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. So those family devos, those talks at the table, those quiet times with your kids, those, uh, you know, trying to figure out what what kind of discipline is right in this moment, those are all important. When you're doing those things, you are serving God's kingdom. You're raising someone to know God and to follow Jesus. You know, another, another example, just small things that we can do to meet people where they're at. 
uh, a, a week or two ago, we were at youth ministry night, and an, an older gentleman, gentleman was dropping off pizza. He looked older than any pizza delivery guy I've ever seen. And I felt bad. I was just like, I hope this isn't out of necessity. Maybe he just likes delivering pizza. Uh, but he, I mean, he was an older gentleman. And Holly Toomey uh, received the pizza and um, figured out the payment and everything. But I looked over and she was like, she was like uh, touching this like bracelet he had that looked like his granddaughter had made it for him. Just like an assortment of colorful beads and and she was like looking at it and I think asking him about it. And, and it looked like his face was just lighting up talking about this bracelet. And he could have come in and out of there and just delivered the pizza, been on his way. But seeing his face light up, Holly met him where he was at. I believe Holly was serving the kingdom of God in that moment. To put a smile on his face. To show God's love. You know, other things that we can do to serve God's kingdom, to live under his reign, is to forgive one another. It can be so tough to deal with the conflict in our relationships, but to forgive one another, to care for the poor, to just eat together and share in relationship together, sharing life together, showing love in all circumstances. You think about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all foretastes of the kingdom of God that we can display in our life. So, lastly, I have some questions for you guys, and then, and then the Abdus are going to come up and share their story. But how can you, how can I be a foretaste of God's kingdom? In your place of work, in your home, in your school, Wherever you go throughout your day, you have every moment is an opportunity to serve God's kingdom. How can you be a foretaste of God's kingdom? And then I, I just included the questions that Brian wrote down last week. Sometimes we just need the same thing over and over, right? We don't need new homework <laughs> or new things to think about. Is there a need here that I could help meet? What people or situations call for prayer? How can I show compassion and generosity where I am right now? Think about these things as we take communion after the Abdu's share. Think about these things throughout the week. They are included in the notes on the app. But how can we as a church be a foretaste of God's kingdom? Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.